everyone, and welcome to the PhD2B podcast, a podcast where we talk about graduate school. My name is Natalie, and I'm here with my co-host, Dallas. Hi. On today's episode, we are reacting to videos that argue why you shouldn't get a PhD. But before we begin, we want to give our friends some shout outs. Yeah, so first of all, um, our friend Hannah successfully defended her master's thesis today. So big congratulations to Hannah. Yes, we were both there and it was amazing, um, which we never doubted. Uh, And I want to give my friend Mark a a shout out. He successfully defended his dissertation on Monday. So this is a big week for our friends and we want to just uh, bring attention to their brilliance. And it's just so amazing to know them. Yeah. And I'll say TCU has had so many dissertation and thesis defenses throughout the past couple of weeks. And it's been really great um, seeing everybody pass their defenses and just doing well. Yeah, it's an exciting time for sure. So for today's episode, in preparation, we watched a handful of videos on YouTube where we essentially watched in order to kind of get to see what they were arguing, like whether or not people should get a PhD. Obviously, in this case, they were saying like why you shouldn't. And so all the videos that we're going to be basing our video off of, uh, we're going to put the names of the videos and the YouTubers in the show notes. So if you want to go specifically look for them, they are there. Okay. So Dallas, what were some of the points that they made? And let's talk about them. Yeah. So we kind of compiled a general list based off of all three videos. So we're not going to like give a specific list for each like video we watched. We're just kind of going to, we're just going to give like a more generalized, like here were some major points. So the first point that all of the videos we watched brought up was money. Um, You know, when you're in a PhD program, a lot of um, these programs, they don't pay super well. (laughs) Um, I know Natalie and I talked about it on our, what we love about grad school podcast. Like, of course, there's a lot of issues within like the higher bureaucracy that is like the university and how it functions and how grad students are essentially like cheap labor. So um, you're not getting paid as much to attend school. Um, So some, in some cases, it's probably better to just go out directly into the workforce. And another, um, point about money that was brought up in one of the videos was that people with a PhD versus people with a master's degree are not necessarily making like a significantly higher percentage more in their respective fields um, because they have a PhD, mm-hmm. which is which is fair. Um, and I totally understand that. Uh, so I, I think that's a fair point. And I think if you're going into a job that's more career focused, like not within the academy, you know, if you don't have to have a PhD and like, there's, there's really not as much of an, a need for you to put yourself through more schooling if the pay increase is not going to pay off that much. Right, right. Yeah. And so obviously valid point. Um, We also really can't speak to it either because we're also like not on the job market. Um, So we really don't know what the difference would be. But I also, um, while I like what he what they're saying and obviously the statistics you know the math is there and it says that it's really not that much more if you have a master's or an undergraduate degree obviously there 
is a specific job that you can get with a PhD. And if you want that job, then you know that money doesn't really necessarily matter in that case. And so um, obviously valid point. Um, We can't really speak to it because we're not on the job market. But knowing that fact doesn't really also bother me. You know, it's like I want to keep going. So it's not enough for me to be like, "Mm, maybe I should have thought about this a little bit further. Yeah, I think that you and I in particular a little like meh about this because our career goals require the PhD. So we don't necessarily have that choice Um, if you want to be, you know, if you want to tenure track position as a professor, you got to have the PhD. So, and since that's what we want to do, the money is sort of a, um, we're able to kind of put that aside for now, knowing that like the payoff will be worth it for us in the end, Mm -hmm. even if right now, like we're not making that much money. (laughs) Right. Right. So, but I could see it for people who are not working within the academy, you know, if it's not going to, if the payoff isn't going to be that much more then you know, not wanting to put yourself through extra schooling for less pay yeah um for a pay increase in the job market that's perhaps not going to be as worth it as maybe you would hope it would be right right yeah so valid point i think it makes a lot of sense um the next point which i really um have some difficulties with not because like of the point itself but like what it means so that one of the points that we noticed the videos mentioning was that you shouldn't get a PhD because it makes you over-specialized, over-qualified, and people aren't going to want to hire you as because you have a PhD. And so obviously that's talking more in context of like if you're not in a like professor or like university sort of job, like let's say, for example, you're you get burnt out on the PhD and you don't want to work in academia because of all of its major flaws and you decide to go somewhere else and then you're overqualified and over-specialized and a lot of people um that's a huge thing just in the job market in general. I think whenever somebody who is considered quote unquote overqualified applies for a job where maybe it's quote unquote less than they're, they're turned away. They're turned away as a result. And so I thought that that was like a really unique, like a argument towards why you shouldn't get a PhD. But I also like, it's just this kind of frustrating to think about jobs, like not wanting to hire you because you're overqualified Right. Yeah. That's really tricky because to me, it's like, why is being overqualified a bad thing? Um, Like it should be a, it should be a a quote unquote good thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And if someone's applying for a job that they're supposedly overqualified for, like, wouldn't you still, if that person wants that job and they meet the requirements for the job and they're going to be a good fit for the job, who cares if they're overqualified, if that's the job they want, you know? Yeah. And Um, I, I think the implications of that are like, well, because you're overqualified, you're going to want more money, which obviously makes sense. Like you're obviously if you are overqualified, you have more than enough skills to do that job. But like, what if you just need a job to pay the bills like that shouldn't. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I feel like every like I've had plenty of jobs over the years and never once have I been like, I don't know, um, I don't know how to put this, but like, I've always been like grateful for whatever pay, you know, that I get. And I realize that that's not everybody. Right. Um, You know, my first like job at the health food store at Sanders, I mean, I started off at minimum wage and I was just so grateful to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I, they were like, what do you want to start off at? You know? And I'm like, 
I don't know, minimum wage. And they're like, really? Okay. <laughs> so like, you know, and it's like, I think sometimes people just really need a job and whether they're overqualified or they are, are the Goldilocks just right kind of qualification. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think being overqualified necessarily means people are automatically going to assume that they deserve more money. I think everyone should have to kind of prove themselves because you could be overqualified on paper all day long, but if you're not actually like good at doing the job itself, like that doesn't really, sometimes what's on paper doesn't translate to actual like, you know, yeah, like actual labor. job itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like actual work, right? And work. so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they could be overqualified all day long, but like they still have to learn like what's expected at a particular company, what's expected of them at a particular job, learning the system, learning the all of the things that you have to do when you go to a new job. And um, and I don't think people, and maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm a little on the optimistic side, but I would assume that most people wouldn't just automatically be like, oh, well, because I have a PhD, I'm expecting like a 35% increase on my salary than what you're offering or whatever. I don't know how people negotiate salaries. I've never had to, to do that. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think people are a little um, – I think that has more to say about the actual like workforce and how we like hire people and the hiring process itself than it does about like people who get PhDs. Um, I get why that was an important point for them to bring up, but I also feel like, wow, since one is being overqualified, bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and that's kind of like my thing, like, but that's exactly what happens. I mean, I could give you, you know, plenty of names of people who applied, like I have a friend who applied for a accounting type of job and they had an accounting degree but there was something in the process where they were like you're like really overqualified do you really want this job and it's just like he's like yeah (laughs) like that's why I applied so I think it's funny that that's one of those points but it's it's a tricky thing it's it's a very tricky thing yeah I'm guessing like employers are more skeptical of people who are overqualified but I don't think worrying about being overqualified for a job should necessarily hinder you from going to grad school or from Mm -hmm. a PhD specifically. I think that like there's so many other more like more valid points as to why maybe you shouldn't get a PhD than that. To me, that would be like the lowest of the totem pole kind of point for me personally. Yeah, that's fair. Um, One of the next points that uh, makes a lot of sense um, is the fact that doing a PhD is very lonely. I think there's something interesting to that because in a way they're right, but I'm in year three of my PhD and I have not felt lonely at all. Um, but I still very much agree with this because as you start going into the dissertation and you're not in classes, you're not in your cohort, it does kind of turn that way. And I haven't experienced that, nor do I plan. I think the nature of what I'm doing in the next couple of years will keep me around everyone. But from what I've heard, and this is a continuous thing, and I hear this at TCU, that being a PhD student is very lonely, especially around dissertation time. Um, You at times work alone. You don't talk to others. And so you shouldn't get a PhD because of that. I mean, it depends. Like, obviously, if you're a very social person. I mean, what are your thoughts, Dallas, on that point? Yeah, I think I understand, like, getting a PhD, you're doing so much work independently that it can feel isolating. But at the same time, I feel as though 
if you're feeling that isolation, that's when it's time to reach out to your friends and say like, hey, do you want to work on our writing together or something like it's sort of what you make it, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And and not to not to say like, oh, you should never feel lonely. Like we all feel lonely, PhD or otherwise, like everybody feels lonely occasionally. Um, and that's not um, but that doesn't have to be like that doesn't have to be like a stereotype of being a PhD student, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes the work can feel isolating. And um the the one one of the videos I watched, the guy was talking about, you know, like what if you have like an advisor or um, a supervisor who's really hands off and you feel like you're just navigating everything blind. So you don't have that person isn't being as supportive as maybe you would hope for your advisor to be, you know, if you're out of coursework and you're not seeing your cohort as much. Um, and then maybe, you know, in some cases you're not teaching because maybe you have like a dissertation, like fellowship or of some sorts where you don't have to teach. You're just being paid to write. So you're not on campus you know, that can be very isolating. And I think, um, and I understand like how you can get to that point. Um, I also think it depends on what program you're in. I know when we talked about what we love about grad school, we talked about how our cohort is really supportive of each other yeah. and we're not like all very competitive and everything, but some programs are more competitive and more they're less friendly with each other they're it's a little more cutthroat so if you're already feeling like your office mate for example is part of your is like your competition and you're also just like I don't have to be on campus at all I'm just writing this paper and I don't even have like a decent advisor who's helping me through this whole process Mm -hmm. that can be really isolating yeah and I've and I saw this a lot with my um with my ex who I talked about was getting, is getting his PhD in physics. And he dealt a lot with this kind of like isolation feeling, I think. But I also think he didn't really like hang out with his cohort, you know, and things like that. So it's kind of like, if you're not going to put the effort into maintain like friendships and relationships, um, and you know, not that you should have to put all the effort in yourself, like relationships work two ways. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have, you should, you're not putting in all effort into just like focusing on your relationships. Your friends should be reaching out to you too. It's a two way street. Um, but I think you have to put in a little more effort to like, make sure that you have people around you who are supporting you. If you are having this sort of like isolated time within your program. And if your advisor is not helping you the way they should be, try and get a different advisor. If you're too far along in the program where like, you can't do that, you got to like make do with the best of the situation. And maybe there's other professors you can kind of get advice from um, in addition to your main advisor to where mm-hmm. you're not like this person doesn't help me. Right. Yeah. 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 I have so many thoughts on everything that you just said. Um, Just kind of like agreeing with you. Like, yes, uh, the video that you're referencing, th- there was a, it was a guy who had made the video, but then I watched another video um, that essentially said the same thing, but she used it in a different way, which we've talked about this before. We've talked about how if you let graduate school take over your life, it will. And I think that that truth, that fact um, kind of plays into this, too. Like, if you don't make time for the social life, if you don't make time for friends, yeah, it will be lonely. Um And I feel like at TCU, granted, like I said, I haven't gone to the dissertation stage. And I just, again, the nature of what I'm doing, I'm going to be assistant director of comps. I'm going to be working with the first, you know, first year uh, instructors. So I'm still going to be around everyone. Um, But 
like the stereotype and the image of the like PhD working on their dissertation student, like them in their office, like working like that is a true image. I haven't experienced that in my own life. And I don't feel like that's necessarily true at TCU, like in our English department, what would I've noticed? Um, but it is it does happen. So yes, this let this be let this point be a testament to say if you are listening and you're thinking about a PhD and you need the social life, you need the friends, you have to make that effort. And sometimes it'll come naturally, kind of like with, you know, Dallas and I, like we don't feel like we're in a very competitive program. Like we're not like competing against each other. So it's a little bit easier to kind of have that natural social life. But this is this is a good point. I mean, it's a good point. But if you know that you need it, make the effort to surround yourself by people and work together so you're not working alone so you're not feeling lonely yeah and I also want to bring up I think this is a point too where um when I just want to reiterate like there's a distinction between independent work and being lonely and if you feel like you're starting to get in that place where you're feeling lonely and it's starting to kind of spiral into like this depressive state that's the time where maybe you say, okay, I'm going to visit like student counseling services and see if I can see um, a therapist on campus. Or if you have like different insurance from like what the school has, like seeking out, um, you know, an actual, like not that the ones on campus are an actual therapist, but you know, like a therapist, like outside of Mm -hmm. the school, for example, and kind of get your mental health in check. Because I think um, a lot of people um, like this can spawn off into like a more, a bigger mental health problem as is. So, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself in that way. Um, and you know, like I live alone, I'm single right now. I don't have kids, you know, or anything like that. So like there's times where I feel, um, lonely, but I know that I have a support system, even if they can't be here with me. So I know I can call my mom or my dad or my grandparents. Cause I talk to them very frequently or even just my brother, like who has no idea what I'm doing and probably doesn't care, but I can at least call him and be like, Hey, Austin, what's up? You know, and he'll yeah. ask me the same question 500 times, but I know like, even though he might not really grasp like the concept of what a PhD is and what I'm still doing in school. He's all happy to ask me how TCU is, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I still get his support, even though it's a little different than the way the support looks from other people. Um, And, you know, I realize not everybody has like that kind of familial um, relationship that lends itself to this kind of support that like, I'm so lucky to have and that Natalie's so lucky to have, but surely there's people in your life, regardless of if they're relatives, friends, friends in the department, friends outside the department, other professors maybe that are supporting your work, who you can talk to, who you can connect with, who help you kind of not feel so lonely. Um, And like with Natalie, like she has her husband, Sean, you know, like, so even if she had, let's say Natalie had no friends, (laughs) you have no friends, sorry, Um, Natalie, but you at least, you still have Sean, right? Like he could be your support. Yeah. Um, if you didn't have anybody, but, but you do have people. So that doesn't, so, you know, you're not leaning solely on Sean all the time mm-hmm. for support when it comes to grad school things, but you know, like you do have that person and, um, just maintaining relationships. But if you feel like the loneliness aspect of it is getting to you in a way that's making your mental health kind of decline, that's when it's time to reach out and say like, okay, I need to either, you know, make an appointment with your doctor 
they can refer you to um, a therapist. They can prescribe you, you know, medication that you might need, blah, blah, blah. So um, Mm. you kind of have to know where that line is of like, what's strictly just me working independently and what's me actually feeling lonely. Because sometimes the independent work can feel lonely, but it's not. It doesn't have to be anyway. Yeah, I, I you actually touched on one of the next points, um, and we'll talk about them a little bit more. That this is probably the point that I agree with the most, but only in hindsight. So one of the points that these uh, various videos made was that the PhD program is bad for your mental health, um, and your physical health, and your relationship, social life, health <laughs> of that, mm-hmm. um. And I agree with this one. This one is interesting and I and I really feel like it's something that you should ask yourself before you get a PhD. Am I in a good m- mental state? And not even just like mental state, but like how do I do I love myself? Do I how do I view myself because and I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not only realizing this thanks to to therapy, but like I was so I still am, but not as much as I used to be. Shout out to my therapist. Um, I used to be so hard on myself. And if you are hard on yourself, if you're not kind to yourself, if you have unattainable expectations on yourself, guess what? Grad school is only going to make that worse. The PhD program is only going to make that worse. And it's not that the PhD program is actually that way, even though I do recognize that there are programs that expect you to be this big old like scholar who's like you know all these you know unattainable unattainable things um I think at the end of it all like if you have if you're hard on yourself and you and you have these unattainable expectations for yourself I think you are going to go into a PhD program and those are going to be things that you automatically assume about the PhD program. Oh, I have to be this type of graduate student. I have to be this type of, you know, graduate instructor. I have to be this dissertation has to be the best dissertation. Yeah, that's going to send you down a spiral. This this one is huge. I think that this is a really good point and I think if you've struggled with mental health in the past if you are someone who is hard on yourself, like I would recommend going to therapy first. Um, and maybe doing it alongside um, because I'm now only realizing that I was this way. And obviously I would I would still I would still go for a PhD either way, even if, you know, if I had asked myself these questions. But yeah, this it does impact your mental health. And uh, so valid point. I agree with this one. Yeah, I I, I agree as well. Um, and I want to say you know, if I think the kind of people who end up going into PhD programs are people who are kind of perfectionistic by nature in some capacity or who do hold high expectations for themselves. Like I know I'm one, a perfectionist Two, I do have high expectations of myself. And sometimes I, you know, I'm sure unreasonably so. Um, and I also am always like, I want to make sure that I do really well in X assignment and blah, blah, blah. And like, sometimes you have to just know, like, you have to give yourself grace sometimes and be like, yeah, that probably wasn't my best paper I submitted, but at least it's done, you know, or, you know what they say, like a finished dissertation is a good dissertation, you know, (laughs) sometimes you just have to like 
just grin and bear it, grin and bear it and like just do the thing and like get through it because mm-hmm. sometimes that's that's just how it has to be because not you're not going to be on all the time like yeah sometimes you're going to get to class and you maybe didn't prepare your lesson for the day like you really hoped and you're like I don't know what I'm going to have them do today you know and you have to kind of um you know maybe you have that day be a workshop day or something instead of whatever you maybe had originally planned because you didn't do your lesson plan because you had so many other things coming up like you're not going to be on all the time like that's just impossible you will burn out and I have anxiety um just more like generalized anxiety and I remember I've always been kind of like an anxious kid like I remember like just having like weird anxieties over like silly things as a kid and like in high school, just like really stupid stuff where it's like, I literally was just like having like my brain, my mind would just be like, go, go, go with all these like stupid, um, just like scenarios that will never happen. But in my brain, I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And it wasn't until after I graduated my, with my bachelor's and I was applying to MA programs that I was like, I think I have like anxiety and should probably be on medication for this. And I had like a meltdown so bad that my mom was like, I've never seen you like this. And my grandmother the same way. She was like, I've never seen you like be this upset over like absolutely nothing. (laughs) And it wasn't necessarily nothing. I was just having like a panic attack about like getting rejected from programs. And it's like, how could I assume that I'm just going to get all rejection letters like you know it's like things that are kind of like out of your control that you have no you have no say so in the matter of what's going to happen and I'm over here like having a full-blown meltdown and I finally like talked to my mom and I was like you know I I don't know what's going on like I don't know if I'm just burned out or I'm depressed because I was working a lot too I was like but I think I've always had these kind of weird anxieties over things and like it's just been like escalated recently and she was like Dallas call the doctor, get a prescription. Not that a prescription is always the answer, of course, but like I could go into the whole medical history of my family and anxiety and I don't really need to get into that. But um, but basically after I got on anxiety medication, I was like, wow, how did I live before? And so I feel like when I started graduate school, I had a little more like calmness about going in like yeah it was still a big learning curve there was still a lot of stress there's still a lot of stress now um but I'm able to like not tear myself down so much when things don't go according to plan all the time like if I know like I might need an extension on an assignment I'm not like heart palpitations freaking out because um my professor didn't email me and it's only been three minutes you know (laughs) over asking for the extension for example so there's certain things where you kind of have to learn where to let go when, and sometimes that might be in the form of like, oh, maybe you do would benefit from like, um, some sort of anti-anxiety or depression medication. Sometimes that's therapy, but if you can't go to therapy, I realize not everybody has access to therapy. Um, there's so many other things you can do because imposter syndrome is going to get you at some point and you're going to feel it and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Sometimes I find that prof- like when I talk to professors about like what are your like grad school fails, you know, or something, like they're really willing to tell you like things that didn't go right. Um and it's kind of like nice to know, like, oh, they're not perfect either. 
and they, you know, had this screw up or, you know, this thing didn't go well, or they got a B in one of their classes, or they didn't get into any PhD programs the first time they applied or whatever it can be, kind of knowing that like, you're not the only one that's having those same experiences can be really helpful and eye opening to kind of help you kind of put things into perspective a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was long winded. No, I, I, it made me think of, um, I used to have a friend who um, applied to PhD programs the same time I was applying and got accepted. And she, um, I think, might have only gone into the, into the PhD program for like a year or less than a year. And she quit the program, and I believe it's because of her mental health. Um, and I mean, I really applaud her for that, for to for her to be able to 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 make that decision. Because yes, I mean, I cannot wait to talk about burnout and my experiences with burnout and how graduate school and being hard on myself and not evaluating the expectations I had for myself and what expectations I thought the PhD program had um all of those things um I would say that the PhD program part of it put me over the edge and led me into depression and anxiety but I also think that part of it was me but yeah I think the PhD program will definitely make your mental health be not so healthy okay and I think we're gonna just wrap up with one last point one last point that we noticed in the videos. Um, this is actually at one point that I only found in one video, but I thought it was kind of interesting to bring up towards the argument of why you shouldn't get a PhD. And their argument or their point was, um, it's not only about the dissertation, it's about conferences and publications. And I thought that that was an interesting point because I I think their thought process behind it was, it's so much more than what you think it is. Um, I don't know. How did you, how did you, I know you didn't watch this video, Dallas, but based off of what I just said, what, what are your thoughts on you shouldn't get a PhD because it's not only about your dissertation? Yeah, I think this sort of goes back a lot to what we talked about with our um, morning, the undergraduate experience. I think a lot of people don't really understand what grad school in general just encompasses. Um, like a lot of people who have not been in the academy, like, like my mom and dad, for example, they have no idea like what a PhD all entails because they don't have to know. They don't know what the kind of work is. They don't understand like, why do you have to go to a conference? Like, what is that? You know, people who are outside of it don't really know or have, cause the academy is very notorious for kind of keeping things like within the academy. Um, so People on the outside don't really understand and undergraduates um, going into grad school, whether that's a master's or a PhD, might also not be fully aware of like what they're getting themselves into. But there's a lot of things that are expected of you, especially if you do want to go the academic route with your PhD specifically. So that means attending conferences, um, networking with other scholars in your field, trying to get papers published, um, even working towards getting like 
your dissertation to, in a state where it's publishable. You know, um, there's a lot of this extra side work that goes into it aside from just going to class and writing seminar papers and writing a dissertation. And I think when we say like writing a dissertation, um, like how long is a dissertation, Natalie? It's Ball- long. ballpark. It's uh, really long. 200 pages. Yeah, about. And that's that's a book. That's a book. And I know some people who have longer dissertations, maybe some a little bit shorter, but you know, you're writing hundreds of pages. Um, that's a lot of work. So I think people don't fully grasp like what goes into a PhD program. So if you're not wanting to kind of have to do all this extra work, um, like attending conferences, like doing events for the university, like doing, I don't know, all these little things that you would put on your CV, for example, um, that build up to where when you are on the job market, you can say like, hey, here's all my publications, here's all my conferences, here's what my dissertation was about, here were some events that I worked, here was some um, you know, service things like being on the composition committee, or maybe you helped, um, uh, you know, with a particular portion of like setting up a local conference, like at your institution, for example, like all of these things look really good to have on a CV. But if you know that that's not really the route you want to take, you might not necessarily want to get a PhD. And it all kind of boils down to like, for some people, um, for one of the videos I watched, for example, um, she was really torn. Like, do I want to be in the academy? Do I want to be a professor? Do I want to be a researcher? And ultimately decided, no, she didn't want to do that. So, and the kind of work that is, that you're going to do in a PhD program typically is geared towards people who want to stay in the academy. So if you know, you don't want to take that route and the PhD itself isn't necessary for the job that you're going for, then maybe you consider not doing the PhD. And I thought that that was a really valid point because a PhD is a lot of work. And I think um, depending on where what stage you are in your life, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have young kids? You know, what is your, you know, if, what stage of life are you in? Because if you have itty bitties, you know, and you're like having a you know, dedicate so much time and energy to like this mental energy, right? To school. And then you kind of, and then you got to leave and go to a conference. Like, is that, is that a viable option when you have like a really young family? You know, it just depends, you know, it's really, it's really um, dependent on what stage you're at in your life, what kind of work you want to do. So it's really, it's up to the individual person truthfully at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I like this point. I think uh, it's it's a very unique point and, and sort of to what you were saying, it really, um, I think a lot of people don't really understand what a graduate program like a master's or a PhD is, is. A lot of people don't really understand, which is kind of the point of this podcast. Like we want to give you insight so that if you are thinking about going into a master's or a PhD program, you know what you're getting into. Obviously, it's going to range on discipline and university and college and all those types of things. But knowing this up front, and I think that's kind of what their point was, was it's you shouldn't get a PhD because it's not just about the dissertation. And if you're not okay with that, if you're not wanting to stay in academia or getting the conferences and publications and all those types of things, um, maybe there's just not 
time schedule, you have children, you know, those, those types of things. And I would say that uh, this makes sense. But I also would like to add that I, I think that your university and your specific department, it's going to shape which ones they value the most. Like, I would argue, and you can disagree with me, Dallas, if you have other experiences, but I would argue that conferences aren't that big of a deal in the TCU English department. Um, at least that's what I was told when I applied um, or when I, you know, have gotten meetings with professors and stuff. But the publications do have a huge impact and that could be more towards like the job market and what they're looking for and that determines like the things that you should do um but to me publications are are big but they're additional work and yes like the goal is for you to the projects that you do in your seminar classes are the ones that you should put towards publications like you know that's sort of their way of preparing you or they they tend to do that with conferences as well um but it is more work. It is more work. And I um, have a couple of publications that I'm working on that I'm super grateful for and I'm super excited for. But I also am thinking this is in addition to what I'm already doing. And that's hard because you have to figure out how you're going to balance all of that. But unfortunately, it's not a, only about the dissertation. That's kind of, I think, the point that they were getting at here. So knowing that um that you're going to be working towards a dissertation but you also have to be thinking about pu publications and you can throw a conference in there you know once a year that there's nothing wrong with that but it is so much more and we hope that this conversation has shown you that there are especially with this point itself that um this kind of clears the air of like what graduate school is expecting at you. It's not just your coursework, your teaching, your dissertation. It's 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 a lot of other little things that are going to take up your time. And that's probably why graduate school takes up all of our time. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think the advice I was given about conferences is that it's like ideal to do like one a year. And I haven't even done that because I didn't do one at all last year. I've I think there's more weight to the publications itself. Um and and let's be honest, like we're not there's no like financial incentive to do a publication, right? Like right. you're not getting paid to do these either. You That's might have point. like some research funding or something that, you know, might help you with the research process itself in the grand scheme yeah. of things, but like not necessarily for the publication. Like if you were in a class and you had a seminar paper and you want to submit that for publication, like you still have to edit that, revise it, all of these things, right? And you might get turned down from a few journals before you finally find someone to accept it. Mm -hmm. And then and then you're doing all this extra work of like sending it out, having to do all the logistics of that, editing it, blah, blah, blah. And then you're not getting paid for any of that extra work either. Oh. So they're really only incentive to doing all of these extra things like conferences, like publications, is that you want it on your CV. So I think if you know you're going into a job that doesn't require that kind of stuff, then you really probably don't need the PhD in the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I thought these were all really good points as to why you maybe don't want to go to grad school. I don't think any of these things in and of itself should hinder someone from going if I it's agree. really what they want to do. I do want to say that. I agree 100%. But I think if you kind of are having like this conundrum of like, 
oh, my mental health has been really bad. I don't know if I want to go into research or, uh, or academia, and I don't have the financial security. And if I go to, go to this school, then I don't know, like their funding's not going to be enough. And then I have to move. Like, you know, if, if, if logistically all of the things are just kind of not adding up, it's okay if you don't go. It's okay if you take some time off. It's okay if you don't go back until you're like 40 years old. School can always be an option later down the road. So if you're like, I don't know, take some time off. Yep. Truly get in the workforce, get some experience under your belt. And maybe you love your job so much in whatever field you're working in that you never want to go back to school ever again. And that's totally okay. Um, but cause school can always come. Like you can always go back to school. There's no, there's no age limit on to getting a PhD. And like, I think that's really comforting as well to know that way if you're still like always, if you have that like lingering, like, oh, I think I'm going to go back to school and you feel like your passion for whatever it is you're doing is outweighing these sort of factors that might hinder you from going, then maybe you should consider going. So um, I don't want this list that we've kind of come up with to hinder anybody from going to grad school. I just want people who are sort of in that in-between of like, I'm not sure if PhD is PhD, a PhD will be for me, but you're kind of in that, like, I could join the workforce. I could go to school, kind of weigh your options and see where you're at and then decide. And again, like, just don't feel like you have to do everything like back to back. Like you can take time off. It's totally fine. It's wonderful. Time off is great. So um, don't feel like you're you're beholden to a particular timeline because, again, like I remember feeling like, oh, I'm doing nothing because I'm taking time off. But like, really, like it was great. So um, if you need that extra time to just think about what it is that you specifically want to do within the field that you are in and what degree you have, that's fine. Yeah, I just want to echo what Dallas said as far as um. I don't think these are good enough reasons for you not to go, especially if you are passionate about what you're doing. But they are great points to bring up, um, especially like the social life, the lack of social life and the mental health. I think those are um, it just kind of really depends on what what's really on your mind. I know some people really need community. I mean, we all need community, but some people really need community. And so knowing that there might be shifts and there might be moments in your program where you might feel a little bit lonely and I can definitely attest to it is bad for your mental health um but and you might not have access to a therapist and or your medication you know whatever so I understand I understand those two things but um at the end of the day if the job that you want requires a PhD and you're really passionate about it and about what you want to follow, then let that be your motivating factor. That's exactly what happened with us. We wanted to do, we want to be professors, we want to be directors, we want to be, you know, first year composition instructors, at least I'm speaking for myself. Um, that really is the biggest thing. Um, but it was fun to think about these sort of analyze these arguments and their points and kind of give our little bit of our perspective and our thoughts on them. Um, yeah, that was really fun. 
Yeah, and um, again, we'll be putting the names of the YouTubers that we watched in the show notes. We weren't really sure how to like technic like the technology of trying to like get the videos yeah. to record, so that's why we didn't really get into specifics about like each video mm-hmm. and YouTuber specifically. So hopefully, this was still like a good overview since we were able to come up with these general points for you mm-hmm. all. Um, and hopefully, this was useful. I think I wish I would have thought. I wish I would have thought through these things when I was applying to not just my master's, but also like a PhD program and just kind of thinking like, is this the right route? Like ultimately, yes. I don't think I had a question ever questioned it, but I think like had somebody like outlined, like here are some things that might hinder you from wanting to get a PhD. Um, that would have been useful for me to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And to, I mean, I go to YouTube for everything. Like I think I go to YouTube more than I go to Google, like to, you know, ask these types of questions. And so I think being, the person who does that and running across one of these videos. I mean, I don't think I would have done this. I had questions of whether I should get a PhD for other reasons. Um, none of the reasons that are here were ones that I considered, nor would they deter me if I had them back in the day, I would still go for it. And I, you know, um, but I think that these are going onto YouTube and looking at these videos, I think are valid. They're valid reasons. I mean, they give you insight into what a, PhD program could be like what graduate school could be like and I think that that's going to be more useful in the end even if none of these points bother you right like if none of these points bother you and any other points that any other video might have I think it's still just good insight for you to like know what is out there what is possible what are some things that I should probably think about just in case I need to Yeah. And before we sign off here, let me validate one more thing for you guys. If you are currently in a PhD program and you hate it and you feel like you're experiencing some of these things like, oh, I didn't realize this was going to entail more than just a dissertation or I'm feeling really lonely. My mental health is bad. You don't have to stay in the program. You have to, at the end of the day, like you have to do what's best for you. Right. And if you're miserable and not enjoying it and not feeling like you don't want to continue nobody's going to be disappointed in you and if they are that's somebody who you don't need to be hanging out (laughs) because they're people who are supporting you should support you no matter what your decisions are so if you are needing if you're hearing this and you're like hmm I'm feeling like all of these points about why I shouldn't get a PhD and I'm currently in the program you know what you're, you're, you're not obligated to stay in the program. You know, if you're right on the edge, maybe just finish it out. But if you're like in the middle and you really are like, you know what? I really just don't think I can finish this. It's okay. It really is. You know, I think we put a lot of pressure again, like putting that pressure on ourselves, being that being perfectionistic in so many ways. Like we feel like we have to like continue things, but if it is like actively hindering your well being don't continue. Yeah. It'll be okay. Thank you. So I just want to make sure I mentioned that in case anybody's hearing this and they're like, wow, I hate, I hate my PhD program and I want out. You can have out. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, If you have any questions or any topics you want us to cover, please email us at the PhD to be podcast at gmail.com. Oh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram too. Also. Yes. It's also at the PhD2P podcast. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.